Hola, bienvenidos. Welcome to the Learn Spanish Con Salsa podcast. I'm your host, Tamara Marie. Before we get started with this episode, I have a quick question for you. What are you doing to improve your Spanish this summer? Summer is a time for vacations, for getting away, and you might even be planning on visiting a Spanish-speaking country. So it is the perfect time to improve your conversational skills because let's face it, if you've been learning Spanish for any length of time and you haven't been having regular conversations, you are going to fall behind. So this summer, we are not gonna let you do that. Here at Spanish Con Salsa, we are offering a summer boot camp. This is an eight-week boot camp that will focus on Caribbean Spanish and also Spanish grammar. So we're gonna be looking specifically at the past tense. A lot of people get confused between el imperfecto, el preterito, when do I use which one? And we're also gonna be exploring the Caribbean with Puerto Rican Spanish, Cuban Spanish, and Dominican Spanish. So you will have an opportunity opportunity to improve your Spanish and you'll also be able to attend regular conversation practice sessions facilitated by a native speaker all as a part of our Spanish fluency club this summer so if you are interested go to spanishconsalsa.com slash summer that's spanishconsalsa.com slash summer Registration is open now through Sunday. We have limited spots available. So if you're interested, I encourage you to press pause now before you listen to this episode. Scroll down to the description and click on the link or just go to SpanishConSalsa.com slash summer. Hope to see you in the boot camp. Now let's get started with this week's episode. Can you imagine living on just $300 a month? Well, that's exactly what our guest Jamar Black did when he first moved to Cali, Colombia. He tells all about that story of how he managed to end up in Cali, how he landed a job, and his number one piece of advice for anyone thinking about moving abroad, but might still be on the fence. The Black Expat series continues right now. Vamos a empezar. Bienvenidos. Welcome to the Learn Spanish Con Salsa podcast, the show for Spanish learners that love music, travel, and culture. Close your grammar textbooks, shut down the language apps, and open your ears to how Spanish is spoken in the real world. Let us show you how to go from beginner to bilingual. Here is your host, certified language coach, Tamara Marie. Hola, queridos oyentes. Bienvenidos al episodio 102. Welcome to episode 102 of the Learn Spanish Con Salsa podcast. In this episode, I'm continuing my conversation with Jamar Black from Hola Cali City, a tour company that helps you develop itinerary based on your particular interests when you're traveling to Cali, Colombia. This is actually part two of my conversation with Jamar. So if you didn't hear part one of our conversation, go back and listen to episode 101 right before this episode, and you'll hear all about how Jamar decided to move to Colombia and his tips for immersion. So if you're thinking about moving abroad or even just traveling for an extended period of time, he gives his recommendations in part one of our conversation on what you should do to prepare for that complete immersion, because it can be a culture shock if you don't know what you're in for. Now, in this episode, he talks about how much money you would need to live comfortably in Cali, Colombia. He also speaks about how Americans are treated, not just by the citizens and the locals, but also by the police. I asked, of course, about the best places to dance salsa in Cali, 
and we talk a little bit about healthcare and what happens if you get sick while you're living abroad. I know that's a huge concern, especially if you're used to living in your home country. You may have gotten used to how healthcare works there, but when you're moving abroad, it's definitely something to consider. So Jamar touches on that a little bit in this conversation. So here's part two of my conversation with Jamar Black. I don't know. I feel like it just everything happened at the right moment. Like I was losing my jobs. Like I was getting laid off of the technical writing job, and you know, can only be late so many times <laughs> working for the airlines. So I was kind of, I was kind of pushing, pushing that uh, with them. So like I felt like I was on the verge of being fired. So I was like, all right. So here's this opportunity. Now's my opportunity because I love you. Even though I knew I was only getting paid one million five hundred thousand pesos per month, which is the equivalent to like. Oh, and back in that time period, it was equivalent to like $300 uh, a month. And I was used to, you know, getting paid every week, and, you know, living in D.C. with that cost of living. So you can imagine that the kind of shock that hit me when I had, when I heard that I had 30 days to, you know, send my decision pack and, you know, move to Colombia. So I ended up actually putting in my two weeks notice at the airline. And then on my last day, I flew to Cali for $5.00. And I just never looked back. But um, wow, uh, <laughs> that is a whirlwind. I don't know if I could have made that decision in that short amount of time, and, yeah. and been able to to go for it. So I think I think that's amazing, though, that things seem to come together with you, and the timing seemed to work out. Now you mentioned getting this pay cut, right? So explain a little bit about you know the cost of living there, and how how is the cost of living compared to. You know, somewhere like, I'd say more like North Carolina, because D.C. can be pretty expensive even for the U.S. So compared to maybe, you know, when you were in North Carolina, what's what's the cost of living like in Cali at that time? Was $300 a month enough to live on or were you struggling in the beginning? Well, the thing was, so when I first moved, it was a year contract with Senna, which was the company I was working with, which is like Job Corps of Columbia. They were bringing in uh, native English speakers. So... It was presented as like an internship or a fellowship. So like that $300 a month was like a stipend. But with out of that stipend, we started to pay for our housing in Colombia. So putting it into context of, okay, 1.5 million. My apartment during that time period was 600,000 a month. So you can imagine like what I had left over in food is, I think groceries in general for a month would be close to 200,000. And then like, you know, want to go out do excursions travel or whatever like you know basically at the end of the month i was broke (laughs) and i still had bills and stuff to pay back in the state so i was like i didn't know at that time period that it was going to be a permanent decision for me and it wasn't because i actually went back to live in dc for two years part of the reason i moved back to Cali was the cost of living because i started to recognize that okay yeah so it was the amount of money i was making in Cali that i was uncomfortable with if i could make more money you know, living here, I could uh, have a better life here because you know, like six hundred thousand a month is the equivalent to like one hundred and twenty-five dollars a month for rent. And you know, I was even even though I was living with my aunt in DC when I moved back, I was still paying five hundred dollars to live in you know her, her basement with a private interest. But like the whole independence of you know you want to be independent. I was turning thirty, so I felt this pressure of like oh, I need to buy a house. You know, there was like this lot of uh, encouragement in the black community to start a business and I was like you know I, I had started taking the steps to start a business you know buy a home but I just you know ultimately decided that that's not really what I wanted uh, for myself because 
I think I was like kind of going off of like what everybody else was doing, trying to keep up with Joneses instead of doing what I wanted to do, which was like, I always had this yearning to go back to Kazi. It was calling me. I felt like even up until the the week before I was going back to Kazi, like I was receiving signs that like, okay, I need to go back. For instance, I took an Uber on my trips to someplace and talking to the, the Uber driver, he said he had a wife from Kazi. And then on my way back, I got a completely different Uber. I think I got a lift on the way back. And then that driver also told me that his wife was from Kazi talking to him. So I was just like, okay. This is like uh, turning back around for me to return to Colombia. So I came back after two years and I've been here. I think that by me finding a new job that like, you know, where I make more money, like I'm a lot more comfortable, even though I have things, you know, the financial responsibilities elsewhere, I'm still able to take care of those while, while living here comfortably. So like I'm, I'm in a lot better condition now. I would say that if anybody to live in Cali, they would probably need about at least a thousand dollars a month to be comfortable. Like a thousand US dollars, that's it? A dollar, I would say a thousand US dollars to be a comfortable lifestyle for wow. someone. Yeah, and in DC, they would probably gotten you the other part of your your uh, grandmother's basement, right? <laughs> you would definitely exactly, wouldn't be yes, able yeah. <laughs> no, no, to get no, a house or anything. So if I'm going to be renting, so I'm like, okay, I'm, right now I'm currently renting. You know, I'm also considering home ownership on this end now. I would almost likely own a home here uh, if I ever moved at this apartment. But right now, what I pay for for rent, you know, if I'm comparing it to what I would have been paying in D.C., is a lot. I rather a lot better investment for me at this point. So I'm not gonna pay a thousand five hundred for rent in D.C. for a one bedroom. Right, right, and a, an efficiency probably at that at this point. Yeah. So, okay, so the cost of living is, is lower, so it seems like you can get, you know, more for your dollar uh, in, in Cali. But what about safety? So I think the number one question I got from everyone when I said, look, I'm going to be interviewing folks that live abroad. What are your questions? The number one question asked by multiple people, which is, was how safe is it for an American to move there? And like what areas are safe. So especially as as a black male, you know, moving abroad, as you mentioned, sort of what was going on when you moved initially with Trayvon Martin. And, you know, since then, you know, now we're at George Floyd and all of the names that I cannot even I don't have time to say right now in between those two. But I know safety is, is definitely a concern. And I know there's this like low level anxiety that comes from interacting with police when you're in the U.S. and just, you know, how you feel about what neighborhood you're in and will you be able to raise a family one day and all those things. So so how do you feel about safety for, for Colombia in general and then in Cali specifically? I think that safe, like, so when it comes to safety in general, like any place that we go to, there's going to be areas where, you know, the locals are going to take you to avoid. I speak briefly about, like, safety in terms of police. I think that as a black male, like, coming from America, you automatically have, like, a post-traumatic stress when you see a police officer. So I feel like that still applies to me here whenever I, like, I've been accosted by the police. I just sort of just searched because I, one time I had, you know, dreadlocks or whatever, and I did check to see if I had, like, uh, drugs in my in my bag. But then I also recognized that I have a privilege because of that, because uh, they had also stopped two black Colombians staring at that same stop. And I was just leaving the grocery store. But, like, as soon as they recognized that I spoke English or that my passport was blue, I was I was free. So, that, like, that's one aspect of the safety here that, like, I'm... Uh, that I feel as an American, like, which is kind of like a, I don't know, it's, it, it, it makes me feel like I have a privilege that 
you know, even though I'm a, a black person visiting Colombia, but like having a, a blue passport being an American automatically affords you like some type of special treatment on one end, but then also I would say that, you know, being an American who isn't informed about where where you are, the history of the place, the, the locals, the majority of the, the population being in poverty, because, you know, like, Colombia is not necessarily a poor country, it's just how the money is distributed, and, like, there's no, no help to the poorest Colombians, like, like, there's very minimal help, so, like, a lot of people, like, understanding that a lot of people aren't in your same, like, economic situation by default is something that I think requires understanding before you you move to a place like this because uh, for me you know, even though I'm in a place a better place financially for myself like I still kind of feel like a like a, a guilt so to speak being here like almost like a, a gentrifier so to speak uh, but I don't think that that applies for me necessarily but just like you know in, on my everyday you know commute or whatever you see homeless people in the street they're not necessarily there to like bother you or, or beg you for money or anything or even try to rob you but I think that that automatically puts on a perception of danger when you see when you see that like, looking from the outside like my mom came to visit me and saw someone eating out of a trash can or looking for food in the trash can and she like blew her mind and like she like you know she's always been somebody to complain about you know, you know little things that she was like you kind of open her eyes and like there's a lot of not worse off people but in terms of the FARC and all that stuff those are in kind of like isolated areas not distinct areas like in, in like uh, but I mean like if you go on the two on like a hike in like a, a forest or a jungle they'll tell you that you might you know there might be some activity there so you like you'll know about it like you do hear about on the news a lot of different murders because there's a lot of social leaders that have been murdered recently so that kind of puts most Colombians on edge when it comes to the safety here or like, you know, whether or not they want to participate in activism or be, be visible in certain places because it can be a threat from that context. But as an American, like, I don't feel like I'm directly threatened by those groups or anything like that. But I think the biggest concern is like being mindful of where you are, knowing the neighborhoods, knowing what, what kind of neighborhood it is, even if it is a good neighborhood, still not letting your guard down, like have yourself on out with somebody may try to snatch snatch it on a moto or on a motorcycle. In Kali, it's illegal for two men to be on the same motorcycle because they think that those two males are going to be like looking to to rob or looking for victims to to like take take their things. Normally, it's petty crime here, from what I understand. But I've been fortunate enough not to ever had have any successful robberies. I've had people try to snatch my phones, but unsuccessfully. Wow, that's that's an interesting law. Like you can't have two men on a motorcycle because that's a risk automatically. That is insane to me. And I think there's this paradox, right? Because on the one hand, you have this passport privilege, but on the other hand, you still have, like you mentioned, that PTSD lingering from your experiences with the police here. So it's it's kind of like this two-sided thing where, yes, you become more aware of how lucky and fortunate you are in some ways to have been born in America, but then you also become aware of the ways in which some things just aren't different no matter where you go. So I think it's it's definitely interesting that, you know, you come to those realizations because it's an experience that you don't really get to appreciate fully in, unless you actually do spend a significant amount of time abroad. So, all right, so let's switch gears, talk about something a little bit lighter. So people want to know how is the nightlife 
Are people friendly? Is it easy to make friends there? Uh, and are there good places to go out? Well, in, in Cali, I imagine there are some awesome places to go out dancing, but I'll let you tell me <laughs> how things are uh, socially well, there. It's a little complicated now because some of the places that I to go to uh, have officially closed their doors due to, to COVID because you know they've had six, they've gone six months without business. In general, like where I like to take people, because like also with uh, Ola Kali, I'm like the tour coordinator, so like when people come, they can hit me up and uh, I can try to put together like an itinerary for them. If you want to do salsa, there's there's uh, La Topa Tolondra, which is like very popular for foreigners. Um, there's also Zaparoco, which every Thursday has um, like live jazz bands. If you like listening to live music, there's uh, El Baco. So these are all like in the, in the central areas where most of the tourists are likely to like lodge. So there's also alternative places like like La Perdula, uh, which is like a, a, a rooftop that's like very large for like you know everybody to you know mingle. There's also Cielo Aguar. Is it has a, a giant tree on the inside and like the lights are like neon, so you can see like all these like different you know artistic like vibes. Because Cali is a very like very big on graffiti, so like this place is like all graffiti out. It's like it's a cool vibe. There's a party called Roots Party that's specifically for uh, I guess like for us by us, but like there's a Afro Colombians that organize it. And it doesn't always happen, but it's recently started happening like the past two weeks that they had. Uh, everything open and it seems to be successful. What's healthcare like in Colombia for an American moving there, and, and then I guess just the healthcare system in general? Um, have you had any any health issues or any health scares since you've been there? And how do you feel about the healthcare system? I haven't had any like major health scares or anything. Having a policy, a prepaid policy, um, which like comes with more benefits. Employers take the FAS in directly out of your paycheck, so it's automatically paid. The difference between the Prefigada, though, is that like I can travel to the U.S. with this plan and get seen by any doctor and then be reimbursed when I come back uh, when I bring my receipts. Um, and then you can also be seen, like, they have urgent care where you can just go, like, I can go right now if I get a cut on my finger and get stitches, like, the same day. For instance, like, an American coming to uh, Kali, it's not going to be very expensive. It costs me maybe a hundred, around a hundred dollars a month, I would say, for, for insurance. So yeah, I think that is is good. Well, thank you for sharing your experience, at least a little bit about your experience. Um, I have one more question before you, before I let you go, and that's what's the biggest adjustment that you've had to make living there? So for somebody who might be thinking about moving to to Cali or to another part of Colombia, what would you say? is a thing that you wish you would have known before you, you took the leap and moved there? Well, I don't know. I, I, I think about the piece of advice that my friend told me when I came back to visit after having already lived in Cali uh, for one year. And, like, I think the reason I decided to move back instead of stay and, like, stomach it out was I hadn't completely surrendered. So, like, when I made the decision to come here, I, like, you know, I thought that I'd be coming back. You know, I kind of said in my mind, okay, you know, push on the shelf, I can always go back home and I didn't have to necessarily commit to the idea of being here. So I think that for me, like committing to making a list of goals that I wanted to achieve while being here and like even, you know, vision boarding to like try to help manifest like the things that I want. Like, I think that for me, the main thing was like, like surrendering everything from my life 
in the states and being willing to like you know commit to having a new life and building a new life here is a major thing for me. That's an interesting point that you make because I think a lot of times we think so much about the logistics of like, well, how much is this going to cost, and you know, how is the internet service, and we don't think about the mindset that you have when you move and how that can shift. So I like that you said that, just kind of being intentional and and committing to stay there instead of just being a tourist, right? Like, oh, I'll, I'll dabble in this, I'll stay here for a few months, and I'll move on to the next thing, or I can always go back home. Like that's a way different mindset than I'm. I'm moving here. I'm a citizen of this place now, and I need to make out some goals for my life while I'm here because this is my new reality. So I'm glad that you said that because I think it's just people usually just don't think about that. Like, wh- what's the reason behind your move? Like, what is it that you hope to get out of it? What experience do you want to have? Who do you want to be? Right? Those are the real questions, not you know all these little things. Although those are important too. I think that's that's really is key. Like having that that vision from the outset because otherwise you know one little thing goes wrong and then you're like oh I'm, I'm out of here right or I give up so I think that making that decision is really important yeah I agree so thank you Jamar so much for taking the time to be on the podcast today and if folks want to find you on social media how can they get in touch with you they can get in touch with me at the afro expat on Instagram I'm also on Facebook and Twitter and also at Ola Kali City if you are interested in Kali specifically we are constantly posting information about Kali and things to do different events that are happening so yeah at the for expat and at Ola Kali City ok entonces gracias por ser parte de nuestro podcast hoy thanks for being part of the show a ti muchas gracias chao I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jamar and that you found it informative. We will be continuing our Black Expat series next month, where we'll talk about moving to the Dominican Republic. But next week, we're going to get into one of my most requested topics, and that is talking about the different types of Spanish that are spoken throughout the Spanish-speaking world, and particularly Spanish from the Caribbean. So next week, I'll be joined by Naomi. She is a member of the Spanish Con Salsa team, and she's going to break down some Puerto Rican Spanish greetings. So we'll talk all about how to say hola in Puerto Rico and some other common greetings that you may hear when you visit the island or talk to someone who is from Puerto Rico. So don't miss next week's episode. Make sure you hit that subscribe button so that you'll be the first one notified when our next episode comes out. We do release a new show each and every Tuesday. As always, I hope something that you heard on today's episode has taken you one step closer from Spanish beginner to bilingual. Hasta la próxima. Thank you for listening to the Learn Spanish Con Salsa podcast at LearnSpanishConSalsa.com.